0: creative coaching podcast where we bring together coaches athletes former athletes leaders and influencers everyone has a story and my hope is that when you listen to their stories you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day today's guest is chris crider coach Kreider is an assistant coach at georgia state university We talked to him today about fostering the culture of your head coach, to stand for something or fall for anything, to treat people the way you want to be treated in the profession, to empower your players to know who they are, and to learn what makes you tick as a coach and to have self-awareness. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach.
1: Thanks,
0: Mike. Appreciate it. Coach, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I've uh, known you for a while now. When you were at VMI, is kind of when I, we first got in contact. And, uh, you know, when I started this thing off, I thought, man, he's really one of the guys I want to have on, you know, having had a prior relationship or, or uh, you know, making contact at that point. And kind of kept up with you even there at Rice as well. And now at Georgia State. Uh, you know coming under a a new staff and whatnot just really excited for where things are going and and uh, for yourself and just uh, like I said glad to have you on thank you for making the time
1: no I appreciate it and uh, I've made it through some of your podcasts your previous ones that are out there I look forward to continuing to listen to the rest of them you're doing a great job and can't wait to learn some more myself
0: thank you coach thank you so let's go ahead and get started Uh, How were you introduced to the game, Coach?
1: Yeah, so unique story, I guess, a little bit in that I learned and started playing basketball when I lived in Columbia, South America. Uh, I guess uh, 8 to 13, kind of the age time span. So I guess 6th, 7th grade started playing. My parents were missionaries there. Wow. In a country that played soccer, I guess 90% or however much. Yeah. seemed like 100% that the young kids were playing soccer around me. I got into basketball and started playing at that
0: point. Fantastic. Coach, now you uh, you talk about Columbia and yeah, I you know, is not really known for, for basketball, definitely soccer. Uh, so when you say parents were missionaries, how long were they out on the mission field for?
1: So we were there five years uh, growing up, so you know, the opportunity to go to a boarding school there with some other uh american kids were, you know whose parents were doing the exact same thing but you know looking back uh you know my worldview was shaped from that experience i really fell in love with the country of columbia specifically but ended up you know falling in love with the country the language learning spanish ended up majoring in spanish and teaching spanish was my first job out of college or second job out of college so it came in handy for me a little bit yeah um But started playing there, and then, you know, in the summer before my eighth grade year, I guess, went back to a camp in Central Pennsylvania, where I'm from, Uh, stayed with my best friend. Uh, His dad was a high school coach, and that kind of opened some doors, you know, for me personally, from a basketball standpoint.
0: Got you. So what was your experience as a player, Coach, both at the high school and college level?
1: Yeah, so played in high school uh, with my best friend, uh, Nate Barton, whose father, Scott Barton, was our coach. and. So, played in high school, always wanted to be a Division One player. That was my goal. Um, didn't end up happening. Ended up playing Division Two and finishing up at the Division Three level. But looking back, you know, as you said a couple times on these podcasts, you know, we all have our journey and story. And yeah. So, looking back now as a coach, you know, I've taken bits and pieces from everybody that I've played for. And, um, so, as a player, you know, kind of my experiences helped shape me as a coach.
0: Fantastic. So that being the case who in particular would you say influenced you to go into coaching
1: yeah so Scott Barton um, my best friend's dad who okay. I lived with for I guess most of my high school career it was one of those things where going through it at the time in high school I, I definitely didn't see myself doing that or going that route I started off as a freshman in college you know thinking international business yeah. took economics and kind of scratched that um plan but uh yeah I would say him, you know, playing, living in with a coach uh, for those four years and uh, while my parents traveled and did their missionary thing, they allowed me to stay with my best friend so I could pursue basketball. And um, so living with him opened my eyes to what the life of a coach is. It's not just about, you know, on the floor in practice and games. It was more of a lifestyle, and that's kind of what drew me into it initially.
0: Fantastic, Coach. Now, here again, you said your parents kept traveling while you stayed there. What, what places have they have been on these mission fields and, and done their servant uh, hood there? Where, where have they gone and served, I should say?
1: So, you know, five years in Columbia, but, you know, in preparing for that, you know, they've had to move around the organization that they work with. There's different training that goes into it. So we moved, you know, whether it was Western Pennsylvania, Michigan, Missouri, growing up uh, before Columbia. And then after Columbia, we had the, it was around a little bit after Pablo Escobar, I guess, but that time when they <laughs> yeah. were uh, Yeah they were kidnapping Americans in yeah. Colombia. It was a little unsafe for us yeah. to be there. My parents made the decision to bring my family back and yeah. from there they've been yeah. involved with the same organization, but just, you know, in the state too.
0: Wow, coach, that's uh that's pretty strong stuff. That's uh, not for the faint of heart, honestly. <laughs> I, I know I know a lot of missionaries uh um in the toughest part is not the language; is is not you know the, the biggest issue. It's the cultural stuff. It's uh-huh. the uh, the trust that you have to build with the people around you. Uh, so I, I I get I get like the magnitude of what they were doing, and I think maybe that whole uh, with the career that you that you're in now, having to move sometimes and, and move from job to uh-huh. job you're probably kind of, you know, acclimated to that already because of your experiences growing up with your parents being missionaries. Would that be true?
1: Yeah, that's that's very true. And, you know, maybe it's kind of in the category of things that you don't really think about at the time. But looking back, you know, I think my mom was saying, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago that I think they've moved close to 30 times. So, you know, it's wow. just one of the things that, yeah, it's part of kind of what their calling's been. And then in this profession, as you know, yeah, you have to at times, make some tough decisions and move and, you know, try to make it work the best you can. Yeah.
0: Uh, here again, got a lot of respect for people on the mission field uh, for all different sorts of reasons. Here again, growing up around kind of that culture, too, as well, knowing a lot of you to this day, still having a lot of contact with people who are doing missionary work. It's just, I, I look up to missionaries. Yeah, awesome I, I just look up to them so much because... I know I'm not called to do that, but I'm called to, I'm going to be honest. I'm called to finance that. Like I I will put my money where my mouth is with Mm -hmm. that, but I'm not called to do it. So I'm not good. I feel like I would get more out of it. Therefore I shouldn't be doing it. You know, I feel like it's for me. If I did it, I'd have to go be a blessing to people, not go to get blessed. I I really need to have some work to be done over there. So here again, a, a lot of respect for that. So coach, uh, it's important at times when we bring in kids, and we say, "Okay, it's got to, it's got to be the right fit for the culture that we have in our program," and uh, and that's so true. But how important is fit and culture for coaches like yourself in joining a new staff?
1: Yeah, I would think it's huge. Uh, you know how to quantify it? I'm not sure, but having been on the front end, I guess several times. You know whether it's my first opportunity as a Division One assistant coach at Georgia Southern with Charlton Young uh, or VMI with Dan Earl or uh, Coach Hewitt when he went to Georgia Mason. And I was fortunate enough to go in there or Coach Barrett Rice. You know, when you come in and, you know, as a new staff it might be just getting a job or if you join, you know, an existing staff, you know, I think as coaches, sometimes we ask our players to do a lot of things uh, that maybe sometimes we don't demand of ourselves as much as we. I guess um, you know, but it's, it's about blending in, um, you know, with obviously the culture that's established by the head coach, but we all want spent on what's best for our guys and yeah. as coaches, especially as assistant coaches, you know, it's our job, you know, to do the best we can to, to foster that environment, um, you know, that the head coach wants and, and build the family atmosphere that we all desire.
0: Fantastic coach. So, I have a lot of different kind of perspectives that I've gained, you know, doing this podcast about how coaches kind of find their voice and find their place and kind of doing some reflection of maybe when you first started coaching and felt like, yeah, this is, I'm I'm comfortable doing this. I know where I'm at here again, using the term finding your voice. How do you find your voice with a new program?
1: You know, I think it's a lot like uh, you know, just an incoming freshman. There's a lot of parallels. You know, I think I was listening to someone you spoke with recently where can't remember who it was was saying it, you know, as a player you learn things. You just you don't wanna forget those things as a coach because, you know, not long ago we were in those those guys' shoes and yeah. I think this is one of those things where, you know, you come in, you have to be yourself. You can't be somebody that you're not. I've worked for guys that are very similar in some ways to myself, I think, and the guys that are very different. I've tried to learn, you know, as much as I can from all of them. Um, but I think the biggest thing I've learned in my experience is that you have to be yourself. You have to be authentic. You can't try to be somebody else. The players are going to sniff it out. It's not going to carry any weight. At the end of the day, you're going to end up kind of walking in the wind. So stand for something or fall for anything is something yeah. that, um, you know, obviously we all know, but, I just think you have to be yourself, be authentic, and the rest will take
0: care of itself. Great point of view there, Coach. I like what you said, stand for something or fall for anything. I think that's something that, uh, you know, culturally uh, that we implement in our programs because, uh, you know, we have to practice it before we preach it, and then when we're put in a situation, we definitely got to, you know, put it into action. And uh, like you said, I like what you said, just be yourself. That's a great that's a great uh, piece of advice for coaches listening that feel like, how do I kind of get, you know, into the groove, of, of maybe already flowing stream, uh, and just jump in and be yourself. And and that's great, coach. How important is building relationships within this profession?
1: I would say it's probably the number one thing. Um, you know, as coaches, we build our team and our roster and. You know, anytime you get a job, you know, as a head coach, you know, you hear guys say all the time, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Well, that's very important. But as a coach, you know, to do this long term and to, to have sustainability in this profession, I think it's about always treating people the way you would want to be treated. Yeah. Always knowing that every relationship, you know, don't always look for you know, what you can get from something, um, you know, or, or from a relationship, but just always treat people the right way. And I think that always comes back um, to, to be the best way to handle things. But I, I look back at my career and I, I personally, you know, due to my faith, I believe God's opened doors in, in my journey and, you know, things, you know, 10 scenarios of where I I know God specifically opened the door, but a lot of it extends back to those relationships. So I think it's the number one thing getting to know as many people, coaches, um, parents, any outside influence, just getting to know people. It's a people business. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really what coaching is all about.
0: Yeah. Coach, I, you know, it's, it's built on people and it's built for people and those stakeholders involved are people I mean, every, everything is about people and relationships. And so I'm glad you said what you said, coach. So,
1: but I, I would, if I could add one thing that yeah, I, I think ahead. it is probably, it might be one of the toughest things for me personally. Um, okay. you know, but it and maybe even trending. I guess it's hard to believe. I guess it's been 17 years now, or close to it for myself. But yeah. you know, in a, in a profession or in something so much of it is competitive and winning and winning a recruiting battle, winning a game.
0: Yeah,
1: and you sometimes this gets lost. It's the relationship. So you're going to run into guys even recruiting. It comes up personally where if you get the kid, great. If you don't get the kid, great. 20 years from now you want to be able to run into that kid or that coach and, you know, whether it's an airport or whatever, and just know that you treated that young man or that coach or whoever it is with the utmost respect. So I just think having that perspective is hard in such a, you know, crazy professional
0: Yeah, sometimes the, the competitive juices flow a little too high for some yep. of us and it kind of skews our view of really why we're here again, why we do what we do. And uh, you know how we're setting ourselves up for how I guess how you portray yourself at that moment mm-hmm. can kind of set you in a bad or put you in a bad light with people, and you definitely mm-hmm. don't want to do that. So yeah, another great point of emphasis. Uh, so coach, when it comes to leadership, what kind of leadership habits do you feel are the most effective when you're working with this this generation of players because it's a uh, it, it's a different group and and it's changing. You know, every three or four years, these groups of yeah. young people are changing, and it's to me it's exciting because it keeps us all on our toes. But I, I just I, I want to hear your perspective as far as like what kind of leadership habits do you feel are, are the most effective with them?
1: Yeah, so I guess the two things that would come to mind is one, just trying to always empower your guys or your players to, yeah, basically know who they are, have a self-awareness of who they are within, whether it's the team, but also society, campus, Um, but empower them to see maybe things in themselves that nobody has maybe pointed out or not pointed out as much or just instill confidence in them to be the best version of themselves that they can be and always look for ways to, you know, a, a big reason that I coach, and I know a lot of us coaches for, you know, the bigger than basketball life lessons. And this is one of them where, you know, whether it's owning their own company one day or working for, you know, someone one day, they, they have to have these leadership qualities that so many people look for in student athletes, especially. Um, but I would say empowering them to, to recognize their, their true abilities, you know, encouraging them to have self-awareness. Um, and then just encourage them to be good communicators, you know, listening, knowing when to listen, knowing when to talk, that, Throws in there, I guess social media would be involved with that. That's been the biggest change since I got into coaching. I think these guys have to deal with so many more slip possible slip ups and different ways of communication, maybe too good and bad. But the social media thing is just so different than it was, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. But um, you want we want our guys to use basketball to be the best version of themselves and to always be thinking of ways that basketball can help them, you know, beyond just the game.
0: Understood, Coach. I like what you said there about, you know, teaching them self awareness. That's there's no class for that, and uh, they can't sign up for it. Uh, but you know, when it when they come to us, we definitely can day by day chip away at that. Uh, you know, I guess that well, those walls they build up at times so that they can uh, keep the facade of that. There, they are who they think they are, and then we want to, we want them to know who they really are. Uh, who their social media presence tells them they are is not really who they are. The likes, the retweets, the all that—that's uh, not—that's not it. That's not the move, as they say. And uh, <laughs> so, like I—I I, I think here again, listening, like you talked about, listening is so important because uh, everybody wants to be heard. And I always like to go by the philosophy of uh, to first to understand people, listen to them first before you want to be understood. Uh, and I think that's just it's something that's imperative for young people to to move forward and be successful in whatever area and whatever profession that we hope, or that they hope that they, you know, delve into. So, you know, the coaching profession requires a lot of, like we talked about earlier, sometimes movement, sometimes uh, you don't win every game, obviously. And uh, you know, you go through some rough patches, but how important is your support system within all that?
1: Yeah, it's huge, and it's, uh, you know, for me personally, it's the only reason that I'm continuing to do this, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, coaching, teaching, you know, they're professions that require a lot of time, and it's, it's a 24-7, uh, you know, operation to be any good at it. You know, you want to be there for your guys at all times, yeah. Um, and so, you know, that comes with some sacrifices. So my support system, my wife and our daughter now, you know, Livia, a four-year-old daughter, and You know, my mom and dad, you know, growing up, you know, my sister. And so everybody along the way, like you said, good and bad times, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're the people that have helped, you know, myself. And I know all of us, you know, get through, you know, those tough losses or even the big picture in mind when, you know, whether it's losing a job or not getting a job that you thought you were going to get or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, it's so important.
0: Family's everything in my opinion. And only because, uh, you know, something goes wrong, and you. you know, I always tell my kids this: Look, your friends—they're cool and all, and your acquaintances—they're <laughs> nice and all. But if you need to go to the hospital, mommy and daddy are taking you, not your friends. Uh, you know, yep. you know. If you need, you need to change your clothes because you had some kind of accident. Uh, you know, mommy and daddy are the ones that are going to do that. So hey, right. let's stick close to mommy and daddy. And and the one thing that I I hold true for, well, I try to, you know, implement uh, not on a daily basis because I don't want them to be too uh, beat over the head with it. But I always tell my kids, honor your mother and your father so it'll go well with you. Like that, that to me is just so key and so important. Like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do everything that pleases me. Just honor me and then it'll all work out for yourself. You know, it's more for you than it is for me quite honestly. And so, sure, yeah, sure. No, I agree yeah. With that. and the, so the support system is so huge because even when in good times, uh, it sure, it sure helps to be able to share those things, not just with your players, but with your family and the successes mm-hmm. and all that. So big, big, big time stuff, coach, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to the support system. So now about yourself, you know, we grow hopefully day by day, but in the span of seven of a 17-year career coach, there's got to be lessons and all that stuff that you've learned. But what have you learned personally about yourself that maybe previously you just, you never thought you'd know, you'd, you'd learn about yourself through that career?
1: Yeah, I think we talk for 30 minutes on this question, but I <laughs> think, uh, you know, just some little things that I've, you know, self-awareness as a coach is important too, so you know, whether it's finding your voice on the staff and, you know, what your head coach expects of you as an assistant coach, like just always trying to improve. Um, so there's little things that I know as a coach I need to get better at. So every off season, you know, you're trying to get better at those things. Um, something I've really, you know, I, I learned, you know, a long time ago. I'm a visual person. So whether it's writing things down or using, color-coded stuff, just whatever whatever I need to learn things or remember things or, you know, so it keep record of things. I think that's something that I've really benefited from every year looking back on notes, you know, throughout the year of, oh, yeah, you know, remember this moving forward or, you know, here's something I should have done that I didn't or vice versa. So, you know, I just think learning what makes you tick as a coach, we're all different. Um, you know, I know why I do this. And I've got to constantly remind myself of that. Um, I'm just as guilty as anyone else where you get caught up in, you know, the day-to-day sometimes and you forget, okay, why do I coach? It's the same reason that, you know, 17 years ago I started coaching. So um, just constantly reminding myself of the bigger picture is something that I I try to do a better job of. Um, And then just always trying to, whether it's, you know, podcasts like you have looking for ways to just always get better as a coach. I think if you, stop evolving or you get content that's that's when you can go ahead and try to do something
0: else <laughs> yeah no that's when you get in your way that's when you get in your way of actually becoming uh the best version of yourself like you said you, you, you can't uh i know kevin eastman talks about it and, and i'm such a believer in it now is being a learn-it-all not a know-it-all nobody likes to know it all mm-hmm. I, I i just you know i guess pet peeve if it was personified it's somebody who thinks they know it all uh that that yep. would that would be it right there and right you, right you know we we always run the risk of becoming what we hate or becoming what we uh despise or or whatever and i just you know you're right coach you know to kind of just keep growing and not feel like uh, i i've done it all I've seen it all I've been in this game for 20 for whatever 17 years now uh i i just i know it i got it yeah no don't worry and constantly wanting to to learn. That's so very important for all the coaches that are listening, especially the young ones. I mean, the young ones, they'll all automatically, I hope, uh, gravitate towards learning. But those of us who've been coaching for so many years, uh, hopefully we're still, you know, striving to get better, to learn, here again, best version of ourselves. So, yeah, great things uh, are are coming for those who do that, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, here again, talking about some of the the tough parts uh and aspects of coaching what have you sacrificed at times to do what you do coach
1: yeah and i i think uh you know sometimes i i put this in a category of like you know coaching and you know i have to do a better job remembering in every walk of life there's these same traps but you know just for myself you know my wife and i uh, my life changed four years ago when we had our daughter, not that I didn't like spending time with my wife or anything, but before, <laughs> yeah, yeah. before, uh, I guess four years ago, it was a little easier to, you know, whether it's a recruiting trip or an away game or, yeah. you know, whatever. But now when you have kids and I think time with your family is something that, you know, when you have a family and you have kids, you want to be a really good coach and be good at what you do, but not at the expense of not being a good father. So yeah. I would probably say, out of all the stuff that we've talked about tonight, this is probably—if number one was something else, this is number two, or vice versa. One or two of my biggest struggles as a coach, and I need to get better, is just, you know, maximizing, uh, making the most of every possible minute. Whether it's taking her to school yeah. when I come home, putting my phone down, because um, that's time you're never going to get back. And so I would—I would just say time is the bit is the thing that you could possibly sacrifice the most
0: yeah and you know my dad uh he's he's a great man and growing up he was always helping people you know mainly in our in our church community always doing stuff he was like a local missionary if you will him and my mom my mom is definitely a local missionary and uh there was times where we just you know i didn't get to do certain things because you know they were busy they weren't they were helping people mainly that's what they were doing was just helping people and uh he taught me one time. He says, "You know, Mike, what you do is you, the the quantity doesn't really like mean anything if you're not doing something together. So always make sure it's quality, mm. and and even in the small moments of quality time, you can make some memories that'll last forever. And so, yeah, I, I, here again, I have four daughters, and you talk about life changing, uh, <laughs> right. you know, four times. You know, uh, it, it's it's very true. I that is my biggest, uh, you know, kind of fear is not being with my kids. Uh, that's just that just no, me. you know, I love my wife. I've been loving her for a long time. Uh, she was my first and last girlfriend, uh, and uh, and I don't want to be away <laughs> from all. her either. But man, there's something about those kids, especially daughters. You're just like, no, I don't want to, no that, that little <laughs> those cute little faces, man. I don't want to be away, but. You know, I think that's something as coaches, we all have to kind of uh, soldier up, if you will. and uh, Our most so, important job, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, Coach, here again, talking about family, support system, your, your parents, all those things, uh, the people you influence and impact throughout your career, uh, you know, you lay a foundation for what you hope to look back on one day and say, I, I'm pleased with what I've done. Uh, and I, and I hope that I've done what I was called to do. And so what would you want your legacy to be when your career is all done?
1: Yeah, I, I think just big picture, you know, first it, it wouldn't even be basketball related. Um, man of God, whose faith is important to him. That sees the big picture. Uh, a father, good husband, you know, family man. And yeah, that, you know, I just don't think basketball should define us, even as a coach. Like That's just me personally. I yeah. love coaching. Um, you know, but I just think uh, from a legacy standpoint, yeah, that's, those other things are just so much more important. But I, I do think we have an incredible opportunity to use this game. You know, Looking back, almost all, every single one of my friends, almost, um, I've met because of basketball. And the ones I stay in touch with are former teammates, former colleagues, some of my best friends are guys I've worked with um, over the years or played with. So I just think it's an incredible opportunity as long as we keep the keep perspective and um, keep the big picture in mind, which isn't always easy. Um, but I would think, um, you know, it's just it's an awesome game. Get the most out of it, but never let it be the most important thing.
0: Fantastic, Coach. Really love that because uh, here again, relationships are everything. It's the only thing you take with you. When when you leave this earth, uh, it's the only thing going with you is is, is relationships. So here again, coach, I really do appreciate your time. I appreciate you. No, being... this has been awesome. No, I, I really do. I mean, I've uh, here again. You're one of the the guys initially that I can say, man, I wanted him on from uh, from the onset, uh, and uh, so I'm so glad we finally got to do it. And uh, here again, thank you for being so gracious and coming on.
1: Mike thanks a lot keep up the good work I know I'm going to keep listening trying to learn as much as I can from you
0: good deal coach thank you thank you for listening to the creative coaching podcast I know that you are appreciated so please take the time to listen to us on anchor apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher can also follow us on twitter at creative coach 47 here again all of this i thank you for please leave a rating subscribe follow leave feedback uh, this is your platform so you know take ownership of it and here again you are appreciated so thank you